I said, well, I probably won't because most of what I got is right from the Bible, the examples that we have, what we can compare ourselves to. But tonight, the what the Lord has given me, he gave me about four weeks ago, actually. And it's something that we all deal with from time to time. I don't think we ever will get away from it. And that is the issue of waiting. Life is full of waiting. We spend a great deal of our time just in waiting. I came across a website that called facts.com and they did a study back in 2018 that they found that on the average people wait about five years out of their life in lines on hold in some form of queue just waiting to get a response six months out of that time they estimated If you're in a non-city setting, you spend five months, six months, excuse me, just waiting at traffic lights. That's a lot of time. To me, that's a lot of time. But life is full of waiting. Farmers wait for their crops to grow. People wait for each other. We wait for results. We wait in line. Then we're asked to pull forward and wait some more. But waiting, I believe, is is vital to our growth. In fact, the more I studied this topic, the more I found that waiting is essential to our growth. And just bear with me tonight. I've got... A lot of of scripture reference. I've got a lot of other things that I have looked into. And so, so I ponder the question, so why, why am I still waiting? Waiting is not a punishment. Waiting is not a punishment. In our waiting, so many times, though, we begin to debate with God. And it goes something like this, but, but I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've helped with this. Remember when I, when I helped someone down, but God's not worried. He, he doesn't want the eyes, and that's where we get tripped up. Because we make it an I issue, and it's not. It's a God issue. Waiting is only a delay. It's not a denial. Just because God has put you in a waiting pattern does not, does not mean that he's holding you back from something that you desire. But the reason he has to put you in waiting is because if he gave it to you right then when you wanted it, you wouldn't know how to handle it. You would, seriously, you would destroy what he gave you if you didn't have to wait for it. Because in that waiting, he perfects you. He prepares you 
for what he's going to give you so that you can handle it and then effectively use it to further his kingdom and what work he has for you to do. In Jeremiah, this is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, in chapter 29, starting with with verse 1. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Josiasin, the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and all the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisha, the son of Shaphan, yeah, we'll go on past that one because I can't do any justice to those names. Going on to verse 4, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. See, right there, God allows things to happen to us. He never promised us that we wouldn't see difficulty, that we wouldn't be taken out of our comfort zone. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Now, take, take, keep in mind, this is while they're in captivity. He told them to do this while they were in captivity. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause, which ye cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Seventy years they were in captivity. They weren't bound, really, but they were in captivity. They were in a different land. But this is the verse I love. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I really like the New King James Version of it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. See, the Lord won't withhold any good thing from you. You may not get it when you want it, but he's not going to withhold any good thing from you. Waiting develops us, as I've already said. It prepares us for what is coming next. It's in the waiting that he's able to purge us of things that we don't need in our lives. At one point, some of those things that, that came to us May have been a benefit. But sometimes they come to serve for a season, and then it needs to be taken away, and he'll bring something else to us. What's important in the waiting, though, is that we need to get plugged in. Waiting is not a period to become a time 
to become disengaged in what's happening. We need to increase our prayer time and our talking with God. Fast. Fast is an essential that we as the church should be doing. Immerse yourself in God's word. Waiting is one of is a great time to take personal inventory of what you have and what you have not. What you have and what you have not. Recount your blessings and share your story, your testimonies with others. Declare God's goodness in the waiting. Waiting is a great time to reflect back on what, what's happened to us, where God's brought us from to where we are today, from where we were a year ago, five years ago. I'm amazed that God even still wants to use me a lot of times because of some of the crazy, ridiculous things that I did, some of the attitudes that I had with people and how I perceived things to be because it was my own thinking. I didn't allow God to really do the work in me. Thank God for the battles and the storms that you've previously gone through. Man, it's storms and battles that make us who we are. That's where we are developed and where we are able to be used. If we don't go through a storm, we will never be able to minister to someone who's in the middle of a storm. Because that's where we get empathy and compassion. If we've not had to ever go through anything, we'll never develop those and be able to relate to those around us. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through through 31, excuse me, in the King James Version. And I like to put a big what in front of this. Because it says, hast thou not known? I mean, it's like, come on. Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it's all because they waited on the Lord. He will renew our strength if we will stop and wait on him. Many people waited before us. Moses waited and wandered 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel. And he still didn't make it to the promised land. In fact, God told him he wouldn't see the promised land. But God still used him. Noah waited 120 years for the flood to come. Endured all kinds of ridicule. 75 years he spent building the ark. It had never rained a drop. People didn't even know what rain was, really, because they never had it. They couldn't fathom it. And even though he preached and preached and preached, he, he never gave up. They still refused and rejected. 
But he waited 120 years for that prophecy to come to pass in his lifetime. Abraham waited 25 years for his promised child. What I find interesting about this is that the first 10 years of when, when, the first, when it was prophesied that he would have the promised son, he waited 10 years. He got impatient. This is where we get tripped up. We get impatient with God because we think God should do everything in our time frame. But it's not about our time frame. It's when we're ready for it. But in that, in that first 10 years of waiting, Sarah and, him, and Abraham became impatient. And so she gave her maidservant to him, and they had a child that way. What a mess that became. He waited another 15 years then before his actual promised son would come into the scene. And then God wanted him to sacrifice him. But God's faithful. God is faithful. He's not going to take away all the time what he's given you. He may get you right to that point because he wants to see your faithfulness to him. Jacob waited 14 years for Rachel. He was tricked after the first seven that he agreed to work for Rachel and was given her sister to marry. And then he had to work another seven years for the one that he really wanted. Joseph waited 20 years for his dreams to come true. His brothers hated him, couldn't stand him, conspired to kill him. But there was one brother that had a little bit of compassion, and he said, let's not kill him. So they devised a plan. They dipped his coat that his father had given him in some goat's blood and took it back to his dad and made it look like he had been killed by an animal. During that time then in Joseph's life, he was sold into slavery, imprisoned, taken out, put into servanthood, and then imprisoned again. Even when he was under the, the, the house of Potiphar, Potiphar's wife became jealous of him and angry because he wouldn't sleep with her. See, the reason that Joseph was even taken out of the prison and put in Potiphar's house is because everything that Joseph did, even when he was in prison, everything that he went through, everything he did prospered. Everything he put his hand to prospered. And so Potiphar took note of that and gave him authority over his, over his household. And when he was put in prison again, after Potiphar's wife accused him, falsely accused him, he still had favor because he became an interpreter of dreams, and God began to use him in a whole other area and realm. See, the problem that we have with waiting is this. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. For me, waiting creates downtime, and I hate downtime. I hate it. I've got to be doing something all the time. At least I think I do. 
it halts the flow, and in waiting, you have to give up control. In waiting, you have to give up control. You know, in our culture today, when I was working in a different area of life, Brother Bill Miller can associate with this. If you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. And that's our attitude. Don't just stand there. Do something for crying out loud. But all the time, God is saying, don't do anything. Just stand there. Let me do the work. Let me fight the battle. So we have to flip it in the, in the spiritual. God wants us to relinquish that control to him. Just stand still and know that I'm God. I'll work it out. I don't care what it looks like to you. I'll work it out. I, I found a, a quote from a Christian author that, I include with this because it, it really spoke to me. When God says wait, he doesn't tell us how long. When God says wait, we face one of life's greatest tests. Will we or will we not? Some do, some don't. Sometimes I'll admit I fail at this one too because I would rather not wait. When God says wait, we have a decision to make. When God says wait, we can, can only, we can only control two things. How we wait and who we become along the way. Because in waiting, it's easy to become bitter. It's easy to become critical. It's easy to become cynical. Because in waiting, we set back. And instead of focusing our thoughts on God, we begin to pick things apart. And I'm speaking this because I've been there. I, I chewed on this word for three and a half weeks. And I believe that God gave it to me because I had to visit some things first. I had to, in my mind, relive some things that I had gone through. To understand where God has brought me from and some of the things that he's purged me from, some of the things that he has cleansed me of while I had to wait. And purging is not comfortable either. It is not comfortable because you're vulnerable when you're being purged. Job waited for deliverance. His friends and his wife, they came to console him. At first, his friends said nothing. And they probably were better off to have not said anything, really. Because when they did begin to speak, they kind of had reasoned together first and said, well, surely you must have committed some great sin for all of these things to happen to you. And his wife, she spoke up and said, why don't you just curse God and die? And how oftentimes 
do we perhaps think that of things because of the fiery trials that might come our way or that might be attacking someone else? But that's where we have to have the compassion. And that's why we have to go through storms and struggles so that we know what people are dealing with. David was chosen to be king as a boy. But he had to wait 15 years before he was actually anointed and placed on the throne. I think one of the greatest stories of waiting, and it wasn't really a long wait, but it occurred more than once for him, and that was Paul, imprisoned, beaten, multiple times. He and Silas were both stripped and beaten with rods and cast into the inner prison. They were waiting, waiting in prison. But what's so great about their wait is that when they begin to sing songs of praise and lift up the name of Jesus, that's what made the difference. It's in our attitude, in our wait, that can totally turn things around. Not only were their chains loosed, all of the prisoners' chains were loosed. See, that takes me to this. God is no respecter of persons. He's not. We, we are not entitled just because we have a relationship with him. Because we're just, we're, we're one moment away from falling. We really are. That's why we have to have our, our, our minds girded. And we have to put on that helmet of salvation every day, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, we have to gird up every day or we will fall. The disciples even had to wait in the upper room for the promise of the comforter. He didn't tell them how long. See, a lot of times when God tells us to wait, he doesn't give us a time frame at all. The waiting room is always full. Always full. And if you go to the walk-in clinic or to the emergency room, it doesn't take long for those rooms to fill up when the doors are open either. And everybody's got a story in the waiting room. Sometimes we make frequent visits to the waiting room. We get what we need, and we go on our way. Something else comes up. Once again, man, I'm in the waiting room again. And that's how it is with us and our walk. We're in and out of the waiting room. Sometimes it feels like a perpetual waiting room. You go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and it's like it just, it's, it's relentless sometimes. But God has a plan 
for you in the waiting room. Sometimes in the waiting room, I, I think it's, it's interesting to, to watch people and to listen to conversations in the waiting room. People compare stories in the waiting room. We need to compare stories in the waiting room. We need to share our stories. We need to share our heartaches. We need to share our our victories. Because God wants to use each and every one of us. It's not just the pastor getting up and and preaching to us or, or teaching to us. We're all called to minister. We're all called to minister because we've gone through things that this man hasn't gone through. He's faced things that we haven't faced. You and I, we've faced things that the other of us have not and pray that sometimes we don't have to face those things. But everything that we face, we face for a reason. And it's to be able to make a connection with someone else while they're in the waiting room. Micah 7, 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. There are 89 times that just the word wait is used. In the Bible. Just the word wait. That doesn't account for the seven other forms or references to wait. Stand still means to wait. Just stand means to wait. Your focus and your attitude and your reaction in the wait can impact how long you wait. Getting back to the story of Job in chapter 42, verse 10. When Job took his focus off of his situation and prayed for his friends, That was the turning point in his issue of loss. Because it wasn't long after that that his riches were restored. And in the end, everything that he lost, he got back double through all of his trials and all those tests that he endured. That speaks to me. There's another verse in the Bible that says, Pray ye one for another that ye may be healed. Don't always pray for yourself. Don't make it all about you. Because I believe that if we begin to pray for the needs of others, God will automatically take care of your need, and you won't even realize it happened. 
something that I found, too, in, in this, and it came really from the story of Job as well, that even the devil has to wait on God. He does not have the freedom to come at you or I at his will whenever he wants to. Everything that we face, God ordained a plan before we were ever even born. And the devil has to get permission before he can come at us and do anything to us to hinder us in our walk. But it's in how we handle it that determines our outcome with it. But I just found it interesting that, you know, the devil, he, he's, yeah, he's roaming about, you know, roaring like a lion, but that's about all he can do really is roar. Because until God gives him the okay, he can't touch us. That encourages me. That's how much God loves us. That he would make even the devil get permission before he can touch us. So again comes the question, so why am I still waiting? I'm waiting so that God can perfect his perfect will in my life. You see, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And his timing is perfect. When I try to do things, if I've not sought the Lord first, I'm going to surely mess it up. I've done it. I know. That's why I can stand here and say it. Because if you don't consult your master, the one who's got the plan, you'll mess it up. And sometimes God will let God will get out of the way because God's a gentleman. He'll let you try to do things on your own. He'll let you mess it up. And then when you've gotten to the point that you can't do anything else and you turn back to him, he'll say, okay, stand still because it's a coming. And what happened or what may have turned towards evil God will still use that situation. He will turn it around and make it good because that's just the kind of God we serve. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to do it. Jesus waited to begin his ministry. He didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And it only lasted three and a half short years. Really. I mean, he did some works. I mean, people knew who he was, but his actual ministry didn't start until he was 30. But man, what an impact he had in those three and a half years. He turned the world literally upside down 
the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't know what to do because they would so many times try to throw things at him. But they, they had no clue who he really was. They spent years prophesying and looking, waiting for their Messiah, only to reject him. And all the while, God is still waiting. Waiting for you, waiting for me. Waiting for us to allow him to do and to even start his work in us. The longest wait still continues today. That being the church waiting to be called to the bridegroom. No one has waited longer, though, than God to have his children come home. From the beginning of time, right from the garden, he's been waiting. And this is what just blows my mind. I can't even fathom having that kind of love for a person to go on and on and on, knowing in the back of your mind that all of this stuff was going to happen, all of the terrible stuff that that happens, knowing that and still giving chance after chance after chance, and that's because he's a God of mercy. There's a song out called Reckless Love, and it, it, it is. It's reckless because God doesn't care what he has to do to reach someone. He will go to extremes to reach someone. Galatians 6, 9 in the New International Version says, let us, be, let us not become weary in doing good, for it at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then I go back to that verse in Isaiah. But they that wait upon the Lord. You'll get your strength. You'll get joy, peace, a renewed focus, clarity of direction, better understanding, and favor. I'm convinced that waiting is one of the key attributes that we have got to learn to do and do it with joy. Do it with joy. Because I know that in my weight, that's where God is able to work on me and prepare me 
for something greater, so much greater than what I've already got. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Delight thyself always in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospered in his way, because of the man that bringeth wicked devices to pass. One last thought I have on waiting is that so many times we wait for things, and we don't want to wait for things. We see things or something that someone else may be doing, or something that they may have. And we become impatient. But you don't know the hell that they had to go through to get what they have now. I don't know all of your story. You don't know all of my story. But there's a danger in wanting something now that someone else has. And that's why I, I believe that's why God says that we shall not covet. Because you don't know what that person had to go through to get where they're at today. So I would encourage you tonight. This may be shorter than you're used to. But learn to wait on the Lord. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him show you what you need, where you need to go. Dig into his word. That's where you'll get the greatest direction. This, this word never gets old. Never. And you could read it a hundred times over and still glean more out of it. And it'll take you somewhere else every time. It's so intricate how God's word is put together. But it's in the times of waiting that you can then begin to pull from it. Hide his word in your heart. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen. It's excellent. Thank you so much.